Hello and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland, the programme about Ireland's marine development, maritime culture, history and tradition. Tom McSweeney here and as we traverse our relationship with the sea around our island nation this month, we'll hear about the paradise of Inishbofin Island off the Connemara coast. From the woman who successfully fought Trinity College, they get the skulls of islanders returned to the island. We'll follow miniboats from West Cork across the Atlantic, celebrate the inshore lifeboats, and hear that Kinnebeg's fishermen are challenging international fisheries scientists. This month's Trinity College is returning from Dublin to Inishbofin, skulls taken from St. Colman's Church Cemetery on the island in 1890, ostensibly for scientific research, but without the permission of the island community. Marie Coyne, author, photographer, poet and genealogist, led the campaign to have them returned. She is passionate about the western coast isle of Inishbofin. I think Inishbofin is a piece of paradise and we're honoured and lucky enough to be born into this that we should look after it. So any part that you love, you take care of. It's like a person. You think this island would be, it's physically alive and that it needs to be minded because I've collected the contents of it over the last 30 years and I had a small museum and gift shop down near the old pier but I've collected so much stuff it was overflown with items and paperwork I could never show because it's an older damp building and I have a lovely site up here that overlooks the harbour and the field is mine and I don't have to buy a site and I've got full planning permission now all I need is a lot of money to go and get some funding and hopefully do some fundraising as well. You've invested yourself quite a lot of your own time, your money, everything. You're very dedicated I am because all them poor old people long ago, what they lived in and what they had to suffer through, I sometimes have an empathy with them and I, I'm always thinking of the past and our grandmother lived with us when we were kids and every summer we went back to our old house in Westwater, which was a two-storey house in Ishwala. My brother Austin is there now and they run a bus cafe from it. But that was an old house and like when I, or my generation, I'll be 53 this year, and we grew up, when I was 12, when electricity came to Boffin. My mum washed cloth nappies. There was no running water until the houses till the early 70s. And the island, from what I grew up with now, is a lot different. But we got a last little glimpse of, you know, old ways. You know, so I think from looking at the photographs and you look at people's hands and, you know, with all the immigration, I've done my ancestry DNA and the whole map of America is lit up with relations all over the whole part of America. So, so much immigration as well. And we're sitting now overlooking on, on Nishbafa the Harbour. I first heard of you when you painted the tower down there yourself, just because you wanted to do it. You, you, the driving force, islands need somebody like you. There's a lot of people, but I think sometimes I've got so caught up in Boffin. I see, Boffin, I really love. The island is beautiful and it's. I find a lot of peace in it. And to get away from, I don't know, the, sometimes I would suffer with depression or anxiety. 
I just go for a walk and leave the phone at home if possible. I usually like to take photographs and that's the only reason I bring a phone with me because I wish I would bring the camera but it's more awkward and big and clumsy. So I keep bringing the phone but then I think I don't want the phone with me because I want to just go into nature and have a bit of peace. And when you look around you, like it's such a beautiful island and if things aren't respect, like the tower was right outside of my house and I've been trying to get it painted I don't know how many emails and phone calls between the council and Irish Lights and it was like a game of tennis between the two of them. You own it, you don't own it, I own it, this one owns it. And I was going, I'll just paint it. But of course then I got into trouble for painting it because it's a high enough tower. It took three ladders on top of each other and Ben was like, if I fall off it, or I said, I don't care if I fall off it and die. I don't, honestly. I just want to paint it. And if I ruffled a few feathers, fair enough. But ever since I painted it, there's still other towers, the one out on the harbour in the middle of winter that the boat shines a light on to get an idea of where they're going to turn in the harbour, where all the breakers and undercurrent is. That tower hasn't been painted in years. And then if the light on the tower happens to go, what do the boat shine their light on? On a tower that's half grey or, you know, in a bad condition. They, they don't be here, in, you know, in really bad weather. And you can imagine the storms that hit here because we're right on the seafront. You know, these things are not just for um, public image or they're not, but they're for a safety thing as well. So whoever is responsible for stuff should pull up their boots and go and do it. And people, ordinary Joe soaps like me, shouldn't have to be doing this, but I have a, I keep giving out and getting myself in trouble and making people cross. But some, I don't get, a, you know, as much of it, then I do get tired. I think, oh, I'm not doing more of this, but it's try and be positive towards the island because the island is our heritage and our ancestor left it pristine for us. You know, if you can do something to enhance the place, do it and do something for like the generations of elderly, children, teenagers, for the different age groups of people. That's what I'd like to see. You did that yourself in the famous story of the skulls and Trinity. And they're coming back to the island because of your determination. Well, it was because I asked a simple question. So I'd say to anyone, never be afraid to ask a question. And the question I asked was, how do we go about getting them back? And that's the question I asked when I learned all about it through an exhibition Kieran Walsh done. Down, and I seen the exhibition in the Museum of Country Life. And I was talking to him because I got the number and the details. And that's where it started. But only for all the help from him and others and the other team. I won't go into mentioning names because I'll surely leave someone out and get someone in. <laughs> but I'll always mention him because that's where it started. You know, so very thankful to everyone who has come behind this and helped to get it to this line where we get it over the line. Hopefully they will come back on the 15th of July and they'll be buried on the 16th, which is 133 years to the day they were taken. So that's amazing. Must have been quite a battle with Trinity. It was because we never knew. It was always getting these seesaw answers. I've invented this. You, you might have had a hope and then it was dashed and you didn't know what they meant and you'd have to go and Like it was a lot. Of, and there was nights I went a bit really upset. And there was times I cried about some of the responses I got. And I thought, how do you make people feel? And then I used to think, there's a lady back the road there. Her name is Anne Day, a lovely woman, does hand knitting. And she has knitting needles. And I thought, how I need one a needle like that to put how to find somebody's heart to say, how long do I have 
does this needle have to be for you to feel? <laughs> like, because it's like you're, they're so removed from, they're just cranious skulls that, you know, they're out of bounds. We can't find them in the university. And I'm going, you know, there was a lot of stuff there. And I was like, can you feel with your heart? That's somebody's child that was stolen. There was mother, there's about eight women and there's another um, probably seven or something men. But it's, that that's like today, if somebody took, like say somebody was dead belonging to me the last 20 years and somebody came here today and stole their skull of someone that I really loved, like my grandmother, I would. And if I didn't know about it, but when I knew about it, you think the powers that took it would like, if you steal something, that's wrong as I was taught, you'd give it back or you'd end up in jail or somewhere. But now if you steal something and... 18 something, it's like you have to go through the whole letter of the alphabet, A, B, C, all rigmarole to get it back. So that's what is really like. Like, it, there should be a, things a bit clearer. Like, okay, do this. This is the way you do it. Now let's do it instead of all this. Do this. We have to X that, tick that, do this. No, you can't do that. And this fellow says this or that fellow says that. Ring him first. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, it just. You know, it's simple and it's plain if you make it that way. Marie Coyne talking to me on Inishbofin. From the west coast now down to the southern coastline, where skipper Rory Jackson runs West Cork Ocean Tours, providing whale, dolphin, sea life and birdwatching tours from Reen Pier near Union Hall. As well as that, he has started the Ocean's Plastic Project, developing through local schools, ocean literacy education and encouraging young people to develop a marine interest, learning by doing. Exactly. I mean, the Ocean Plastics Project, which I started um, in 2017, came off a kind of a light bulb moment, really, after years of working um, in the marine world and environment and noticing the amount and extent of plastic waste being washed up on our shores. We were hearing all this stuff going on and it was all what was going on in the Pacific Ocean. And nobody was really talking about what's happening on our own. So um, I, with this vision and idea, I set off to work with young people particularly because there was the Greta Thornburg effect. She was out there speaking and I, and I felt we had, a, we had a, uh, a chance here to work with the, the next generation to in, enable them to, to talk about and research and, and look at what waste was coming along on our shores and coastline. So um, with that, um, we did a pilot year with the local school um, and we've grown now and, and we've got over six schools now working with the project to, to learn, to research um, and develop products from plastic waste that's, that's found on our shores together with the help and the support from the County Council um, and, um, and, and others where we're, we're beginning to grow uh, a bigger audience and a bigger interest in, in, in what we're doing. That's very important to get the message across to the schools, isn't it? Because there you can start getting to really understand the marine resource. You, you can, because as, a, you know, as an island nation, we don't teach marine literacy uh, or ocean literacy in our, sea, in, in, in our schools at all. The, I, I don't, you know, there's very little. It, it takes a, an enthusiastic um, science teacher, uh, or in one case in schools, where she's an ag science teacher, and she's just mad about the sea and swims as regularly as she can. And it's, so she's bringing ocean literacy into the sea because of her, her interest and, and knowledge of it. And, and she's bringing me on board then to help 
her future the future the the growth of the the subject in in the school so uh sadly that's what it takes um and it's not part of the curriculum really you know people don't realize that we have such fantastic resources and a fantastic history uh, and heritage that we don't um we don't invest enough in you've changed yourself by the boat tours you run west cork boat tours but the facilities that are needed for developments like that are Restricted, aren't they? There aren't enough of them. There's not enough coastal facilities. We have some piers and harbours and slips, but there's not enough funding to the councils to look after them or manage them properly. We can't bring people to the ocean easily. Uh, in my case, we, I run out of um, a pier in New Union Hall called Ring Pier, and we have to get people on board the boat by, by climbing backwards down a ladder. Um, because there's no you know easy steps or easy way to get aboard and and I'm just one of the operators running out of that 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 pier um you know there's three other um people running uh, tours and trips out of there um you know okay you can go down to to Baltimore and the same thing is happening uh, you've got a congested pier uh you know a couple of slips uh, big improvement in in one big slip there but for the tour boats to go there there's no designated area for people to go so that when you have a parking problem then you have parking your your boat alongside you have to compete with other um, operations, it could be a fishing boat, it could be a, a, a ferry, um, to get your, your passengers on board your boat. So that's just one case and that's kind of like a bottleneck type of an, uh, of an issue there. Um, so, um, but they have reasonable access, you know, or sort of, you know, slippery steps at some points of the year. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge problem and a national problem. I mean, there's some areas of the coast seem to get very good uh, development. I, I'm always, uh, shocked when I go inland to inland waters like Loch Derg and, uh, and, and Loch Ree and, and you see huge super mariners and harbours and, and access to the water um, it's brilliant but on our coast it's really really poor it's, a, it's certain areas and then there's big gaps and there has been a huge amount of interest in the whale watching and the tours out of West Cork well, well, well m- massively I mean recently we had a whale known as um, IRL um, HB82 Two, and he was coming in very close to the shore where people didn't even have to get out of their cars and they could see the whale bubble feeding um, as they do on Sprat that was coming in very close to the shore and um, he gave people fantastic entertainment for about two weeks, three weeks maybe and and there was a couple of other whales came in and out um, during that period as well as minke whales and dolphins that were all milling about creating great excitement so from a tourism point of view it was great to educate people on marine wildlife. Um, again, I would add that, that there were some instances of people being a bit too um, interactive with the whales and, and interfering um, by kayaking in the middle of them and, and trying to, you know, not observing proper practice. And, and that, that's um, that's a disappointment to see, but um, sadly that's human nature, I think. And that's a need for education as well, obviously. Totally about educating and, and realising that sometimes you're better off keeping back, standing back, keeping a distance. Rory Jackson, whose tourboat MV Kerry Head is powered by vegetable oil, a greening approach to helping the climate. But vegetable oil costs more than diesel. Dublin Port Company has completed a successful first-round trial using hydro-treated vegetable oil HVO, a low-carbon biofuel produced from waste material, in one of its pilot boats. That's a subject we'll be examining further. There's more information about the Ocean Plastics Project on the website oceansplasticprojectclg.ie and about Rory Jackson's ocean watching on westcorkoceantours.ie. 32,778 lives have been saved by the RNLI's inshore lifeboats. 
that's a great record, which is being marked 60 years after the ribs, rigid inflatable boats, became part of the maritime safety operation. As Neil Stevenson, the RNLI's public affairs manager, now tells us. Introduced in 1963, our inshore lifeboats have saved 30,778 lives across six decades. Before I joined the RNLI, I would have thought that inshore meant lifeboats that were on inland lakes. And yes, they are there too at our four inland stations, but they are also all around the Irish coastline too. They enable our volunteers to carry out their work closer to shore and in areas that are inaccessible to other lifeboats in the fleet. Designed to be quick and manoeuvrable, inshore lifeboats can operate in shallower water and near cliffs and rocks, which means crews can get as close as possible to those in trouble. I remember a D-class lifeboat for Phoenix in Kerry where the lifeboat crew in Bangor, Northern Ireland helped fund it. It was in memory of two of their colleagues who had died. It was profoundly moving and made all the more special because it was lifeboat crew helping lifeboat crew. And actually, Phoenix's latest D-class was funded by a British actor, Liz Fraser, who starred in roles on stage and screen over career-spanning decades. Two very different stories, but both lifeboats doing exactly the same job. The current generation of B-class lifeboat is called the Atlantic 85, named after the Atlantic College in Wales, where these rigid inflatable lifeboats, ribs, were first developed. The number 85 represents the length, nearly 8.5 metres, and the lifeboat is both day and night capable and can operate in weather up to Beaufort's Force 7. The introduction of the first rigid inflatable lifeboat, the Atlantic 21, into the RNLI fleet back in 1972, revolutionised life-saving at sea. When it comes to responding to a life-saving task, the Atlantic 85 lifeboat is one of the fastest in the fleet with a top speed of 35 knots. Our smallest lifeboat, but such an amazing craft, is the D-class. It saves more lives than any other class of lifeboat. With a top speed of 25 knots, the lifeboat can operate in both day and night with an endurance of three hours at sea. You will often see a D-class lifeboat at stations alongside an all-weather lifeboat and I often think summer is their chance to show what they are really made of as call-outs increase and a lot of activity is carried out close to shore. I hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable summer wherever you are out on the water. Neve Stevenson from the RNLI with the story of the inshore lifeboats. They're bigger than the mini boats, about three metres long, crossing the Atlantic one of which takes us to Ringskiddy International Deepwater Port in Cork Harbour and the big container ship Independent Horizon, which calls there every four weeks, connecting Cork on the south of Ireland with Wilmington on the Delaware River and Chester City in Pennsylvania in the US. The ship supports the work of Educational Passages. That's a non-profit organisation based in Maine, USA, which connects schools around the world to the oceans and each other through miniport voyages, a version really of the old-style message in a bottle across the oceans, but using modern technology. The miniboats are under two metres, about five feet long, 
uncrewed, GPS-tracked with a satellite. One of them arrived into Barry's Cove in West Cork, found in a cave by local fisherman Billy McCarthy, who gave her the skipper Rory Jackson, from whom we heard earlier, about ocean plastics. Rory took it to the local Barry Road National School, where the sixth-class teacher is Sinead Walsh. Billy McCarthy and his daughter Katie that first found the boat and then in conjunction with Rory Jackson from Ocean Plastic Project they would have brought it to the local school, Barry Row National School, so I'm the sixth class teacher there and I suppose it was the most wonderful project for sixth class for the year. Um, there was a treasure trove of goodies inside in the boat when it was recovered. Um, it came from a school in um, New Jersey, Morristown Beard. It was uh, their 10th mini boat, about a metre long, their 10th mini boat that they had sent out. And it made us, you know, it was, it was, I suppose, left in the middle of the um, Atlantic Ocean by the container ship, the Independent Horizon. It made its way to Barry's Point, um, only a few miles from our school. Um, I suppose what ensued was we had the most wonderful connection built up between um, the students in Barry Row National School and the students of Morristown Beard. Um, we started out with a Zoom. Um, the children, I suppose, gave them a flavour of Irish culture and some, you know, cupola fuckle and they were playing their tin whistles. And after that, I suppose, the children have exchanged, you know, three and four letters over the course of the year and have had made, you know, great connections with one another. Um, we've been lucky enough with, with Bill and with Rory as well. They've come in, I suppose, and explained to the children all about, you know, currents and weather patterns and what might influence a boat and where it will end up, you know. Um, and I suppose then we were gifted this mini boat then by Morristown Beard and the children have done a lot of work in sanding and painting it. Um, I suppose the name Crimson Current we, we stuck with, but we also added Rail Namara, which is the name of our local church, but it means Star of the Sea. So it's extremely apt really for um, the name of the boat. So having refurbished the mini boat from the US, the Barry Road pupils took it to Ringeskiddy Port and met Captain Jacek Bebelek of the container ship Independent Horizon, asking him to launch it on his voyage from Cork back to the US. So you're going to launch this very large vessel on your very large vessel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope the, all the project will be successful, yeah. And now you will know exactly how the currency is going, yeah. <laughs> this is the plan, yeah. And the young, young fellows will learn something from the geography, yeah. So it's useful for the school to learn a bit about the sea? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because it's, uh, I don't, you are Irish, living close to the sea, so I believe you should uh, know a lot and celebrate, and then you and you should celebrate the Gulf Stream is, is giving you the good weather, yeah? So Otherwise you will have ice here, yeah? <laughs> so you're going to launch it in mid-ocean then, Captain Ford? Yes, but uh, not in the middle, but uh, close to the coast of America, uh, in the center of the Gulf Stream, in the axis of the Gulf Stream, yeah. We will try our best. It was very interesting to watch the captain of the Independent Horizon, a big container ship, spend so much time with the students from Barry Row National School as he explained to them currents and tides and how those would affect their little boat rail tomorrow. And Scarlett O'Malley, one of the students at Barry Row, told me what they were putting on the boat. Well, what did you learn from that? Well, I learned like how the currents can change direction really at any time. Um, 
We also kind of learned about the sea and what we have on the top part of the sail is um, our school crest. Um, we also have kind of tons of wildlife on it, symbolising that Ireland is full of life and wildlife and all that. Um, we also also had at the top of the sail um, 50 Bliana, which is 50 years, 1972 to 2022. Um, we also have um, County Cork, symbolising like we're in County Cork. We also have Ireland, because we are in Ireland. We also have the heart um, and the euro, and we also have hurleys and camogies, sticks, um, symbolising our national sport. Uh, we also have a football, um, we have a paintbrush saying that we are a creative school. And we also have a tin whistle. That's basically what we play in our school. Scarlett Omani of Barry Row National School. Six days after being launched by the Independent Horizon into the Gulf Stream on its voyage to the States, the Barry Row boat was picked up on the 1st of July by skipper Brian Borgeson of Absolute Sports Fishing on his boat out of Nantucket, four miles east of St. Catty Lighthouse. That contrasted with it being launched in the west-east direction on April 23 last year and taking two months to get to West Cork in June of last year. That's an interesting comparison of currents, winds and tides. And the boat is being returned to the Morristown Beard School in New Jersey, where they'll get all those goodies from the pupils of Barry Row. Killybeg's fishermen's organisation in Donegal has challenged the International Council for the Exploration of the Sea, ICES, to examine and withdraw its recommendations on closing 87 areas of EU waters because it has got its facts wrong. KFO Chief Executive Sean O'Donoghue says that ICES, which advises the European Commission on fisheries restrictions, has made several errors in the data it used and the KFO has identified them, making the IC's decisions incorrect. We have carried out a huge amount of work in actually looking at the underlying data uh, in relation to this, and we have found several errors in the data that has been used uh, by ISIS. And the upshot of this is that there are significant areas in Area 6, which is off the Donegal coast, uh, that there is no scientific basis for. So we have uh, notified ISIS, uh, the Commission, the STCF, and the Minister, and uh, there is no way that the existing closures of the ISIS advice can be carried forward because it isn't based scientific basis, some of them as such. So we need to pursue this very much. There's, um, there's a meeting coming up of the Commission's uh, Scientific, Technical and Economic uh, Committee on Fisheries and Aquaculture, which is known as STECF, uh, in July. And we hope that uh, they will look at our review here, which is a thorough analysis carried out by Dr. Otrar, who's part who's our Chief Scientific and Sustainability Officer in the KFO, and we really are uh, making a big play of this, that this really has to uh, be sorted out, and those closures that are uh, in place at the moment need to be uh, significantly changed, and ISIS needs to go back to the drawing board and examine the underlying data and take out the errors in their advice as such.
Sean O'Donoghue, Chief Executive of the Killybegs Fishermen's Organisation. This is a serious challenge to the scientific body and to the European Commission, which, acting on IC's advice, last September closed 87 areas to bottom fishing. And so we end this edition of Maritime Ireland, sound production by Justin Marr. The programme website is at maritimeirelandradioshow.ie. That's maritimeirelandradioshow.ie. And my email is tommacsweeneymaritimeireland at gmail.com. That's tommacsweeneymaritimeireland at gmail.com. Phone and text 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. You'll find us also on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. With the usual wish of fair sailing, thank you for listening and being part of the Maritime Community with Maritime Ireland. <laughs>